Hey, welcome to Trains Live, the Trains.com podcast. Do you like what you hear? Listen, check out this episode in video with a Trains.com unlimited membership. Click the link in the episode notes and watch it today. Oh, wait a minute, not a member? Try our 30-day free trial of Trains.com, the ultimate online portal for anyone who loves trains of any size from any era. Trains.com, it's your home for the most comprehensive railroading news and curated video series, articles, photos, and so much more, all about trains. Hey, the old saying, if a picture is worth a thousand words, how many words can we get off of several thousand images? You're exploring the archives at the Center for Railroad Photography and Art. Come on along, this is Trains Live. If you are familiar with railroad photography and art, you probably know names like Howard Fogg, or Gil Reed, or, well, Wallace Abbey and his photos of the Milwaukee Road beer line, or even you might have been in the traces with Ted Rose. We are exploring the archives at the Center for Railroad Photography and Art in Madison. Little archive facility tucked away, climate controlled, literally thousands of railroad images here. This this to me, folks, this is a candy store. This is incredible what is stored here. And the story behind what the center is doing with railroad photography and art is also just fantastic. Listen, come along to explain all this. Scott Lotus, executive director of the center here, also a pretty darn good photographer. We've had his works in Trains Magazine and also in Classic Trains. Good, good shooter in and of himself. He's going to tell us about all the good things. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Thanks for coming out today. Thank you. Thank you. So, archive facility. Um, first off, did, how, many, how many images are, are hiding in here? I mean, I see boxes. I see little yellow Kodak 35-millimeter boxes. What, what's all hiding in the room here? Well, in this room, we've got close to half a million railroad photographs, as well as paintings, drawings, and some other forms of art. And we have standing commitments from other photographers and artists that are going to close to double that over the next few years. So we have a very clear path in front of us to get to a million railroad images. I mean, that's one and like a whole bunch of zeros. A million images right in here. Thankfully, those uh, slides are small, so we can <laughs> stuff a lot of them in. <laughs> It's not, yeah. it's not the right word to use. We have archival standards here, but they, they don't take up as much room as the paintings. Your archivist isn't in the room right now. Wow. She'll be watching this later, though, I know. <laughs> so, so close to a million images. Um, what the scope? Um, I mean, I know when I look at books from you folks, I see some, uh, you know, of the big names. And I mean, we talked here in our open, you know, Ted Rose and Wallace Abbey and Fogg and Reed. But who, you know, what, what else, what else is, who else is big in the collection here? Well, uh, in these boxes just behind me and actually extending all the way down this wall of the storage facility here is our Jim Shaughnessy collection, uh, a name that most uh, people who know anything about railroad photography will recognize pretty quickly. 
And this collection alone has about 90,000 photographs in it. That's a combination of color slides as well as black and white negatives and some prints. And even in a couple of these boxes up here, uh, more than 200 glass plate negatives, some of which date from the late 19th century, uh, works that Jim collected uh, showing the early railroad history in the Northeast, primarily the Delaware and Hudson, but some other lines as well. Uh, so this is a phenomenal collection. We've been uh, focusing our work so far on his black and white negatives. We're about halfway through those. Once we get through them, then we'll turn our attention to the color slides. Uh, on this other range, uh, down the same aisle, we have the collection of our principal founder, John Gruber, uh, which contains more than 100,000 images, uh, and that is a mix of slides, negatives, and prints as well. Uh, we've actually just about finished processing his uh, black and white negatives, uh, and then again, we'll be turning our attention to color slides after that. Uh, but more than 40,000 negatives from this collection have been digitized, and it is like Shaughnessy's and everything else here is just an incredible trove of material. Yeah, I, I'm thinking, you know, each one of these boxes and then the boxes within the boxes, I mean, there's, there's little stories. Continue, I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of, of little stories. So, John Gruber, what was he thinking? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I, I know, I, I mean, I, met, I got to meet John a few times, very privileged to do that, and, you know, great photographer, but, I mean, you know, what was he thinking with the, with the idea behind, let's, let's all gather all this stuff up, where, where was he going? Well, I mean, railroads have had just a tremendous impact on the United States of the world. There's hundreds of fantastic railroad museums, tourist operations, institutions that focus on the preservation and operation of equipment, uh, preservation of structures. But there's not really one that's exclusively focused on the imagery of railroading. And that is such a rich culture and history. Uh, railroads and photography really grew up together side by side in the 19th century. Uh, you know, you had the, the first railroads in the 1820s, you had the daguerreotype, the first commercial photographic process in 1839. Railroads very quickly became subjects for photographers. The Transcontinental Railroad was one of the first uh, documentary photography projects of its building. Uh, so there's this, this really great history and one that has, has impassioned, encouraged this tremendous community of amateur photographers to go out and, and document and portray railroads in all weather and all conditions and all states. And, and so there's just this, this really incredible relationship. And, and then of course the visual art as well, yes. uh, you know, uh, paintings and drawings and so many different media, so many different artists have portrayed the railroads. And so having an institution that's really focused on that is something that, that John and others really felt that we needed. Um, actually, David Morgan, the longtime legendary editor of Trains, was one of the early encouragers of, of John's to, to get the center going, and thank goodness. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, just, I mean, incredible when you think about that, how, you know, the focus, and, and as you were saying that there was, there was one word that kept kind of resonating with me, and that was, was imagery. Now, I know a lot of times in in trains we we deal with some very uh, very technical sort of matter, and we're looking at a you know at a locomotive shot that's a three quartering roster shot, or you know three quartering roster shot of the train coming up the hill, and it's it's very technical. Not that it doesn't tell a story, but when you say imagery, um, I really got a feeling you're you're driving for something else. So. The, the scope of the collection, am I right in thinking that this is more uh, tell a story or do we also include those roster technical shots? 
Yeah, no, it's absolutely both. Uh, you know, if you think of, of how railroad photography got started, uh, you know, particularly on the enthusiast and amateur side, it was, you know, people taking engine pictures, you know, what we might call the roster shot, and trading them and collecting them kind of like baseball cards. And that's really the foundation of a lot of railroad photography. So absolutely those are in our archive, but we also have images that, that really share the, the emotions of railroading, the human side of railroading. So we want to, we really want to build a representative archive here, one that that really covers the entire breadth of railroad image making and its many creators across the entire world, across all eras, all styles. So, so trade them like baseball cards. So, like, hey, I got, uh, I got four big boys here, and I'll trade you that for two cab forwards. <laughs> well, I mean, whatever you needed to complete your set, right? I mean, if you if you wanted to get every single Pacific that the Erie owned, you had to get every single Pacific that the Erie ever owned. <laughs> no, and you know, and you make a good point. That is. Um, that that is very valid when you look at photography because both of them have such a significant um, place. And, you know, in fact, I, I think about, again, editing in Trains Magazine, we almost couldn't do one without the other and, and vice versa. Um, in fact, I, I could even take it to a um, you know, feature that you did not too many months ago here on Mississippi River and Trains there. There was, there was some beautiful shots of the trains actually working along the river. But if we didn't have the knowledge also of what those places were geographically, technically what those locomotives were, the story wouldn't have made a heck of a lot of sense. So that makes perfect you know, sense with your saying broad, broad scope. How broad is the scope? US, world, where are you headed there? Well, at the moment, we have at least 60 different countries represented in our archive. Uh, two of the big collections that really have helped build that out are Henry Posner III's and Victor Hand. These both have uh, imagery from all over the world. And that's something we feel really strongly about. I mean, railroading is a global phenomenon, one that's literally changed the world. And we want to be able to tell that story, not just here in the United States, but all across the country. And we're actively trying to increase our, our breadth there. Okay, we've got we've got a path to a million images, and I know we're going to talk in a few minutes about some of the programming and and that that part of your mission of not only the collecting but getting things out there. Um, what what's the next big steps? Um, you know, are there there collections that uh, you would necessarily look to acquire? Is is this archive facility? Is this the end all? Can you stuff a million images in here? Where where is the center headed next? Sure. Well, we really celebrated a, a great achievement last year in 2022 with the arrival of the Richard Steinheimer uh, collection, uh, which is actually going to come along with uh, Shirley Berman's uh, work, his, his uh, widow now at this point, uh, eventually too. So that, that was you know, really one of those cornerstone foundational collections that, that we were really hoping to get. But, so that was a big step we've recently taken. Uh, but looking ahead, uh, you know, certainly this, is, this facility has been a great stepping stone for us, and I think we have a, a foreseeable future here. But obviously, at some point, we're probably going to need more space, and we may like to own that ourselves. So that's one thing we're looking at very seriously. And then the other side of that equation is continuing to build up the financial support to be able to do that. Uh, we have a, uh, a passionate and, and very generous community of supporters that empower almost all of our work. We're, we're nearly 100% member-supported. Uh, our members make possible everything that we do, and we have a phenomenal board of directors that's leading that charge, and we're working to build up an endowment fund to be able to provide long-term secure funding that can ensure the, the long-term secure safety of, of these collections and also the accessibility to them and the ability for us to, to present them to the world through our publications and exhibitions. 
Sounds like you're headed in the right direction. Okay, now really important question. My little, say, six boxes of 35 millimeter train slides, think we can get them into the collection? We're happy to look at anything that comes our way. <laughs> oh, you are so gracious. Um, I suppose if I really got a shot, I should talk to your archivist, right? Yeah, Adrian's the person to tell you more about how that process works and everything we do here. Let's go visit with Adrian and see what, uh, see what we can do about getting my slides into the collection. <laughs> we are at the archives for the Center for Railroad Photography and Art. Um, you know, I've, I've gone out and shot a few photos. I maybe got five, six little Kodak 35 millimeter boxes of slides and eh, maybe I can get those into the collection. But you know, when things come into the collection here, when they are received, um, you get some unusual stuff. I am sure that they are not collecting Angus beef patties, but I'm going to imagine that there is some pretty interesting photo imagery in there. And to find out about that, we got we to talk to Adrian, who is one of the archivists here for the center. Those aren't Angus beef patties, are they? No. No? <laughs> no, those are actually glass lantern slides. Uh, but the donor did send them to us in the Angus beef patty boxes. You, you being a good archivist, I'm going to imagine if that were Angus beef patties, you'd kind of be freaking out right now with that in your archives. Yeah, I mean, we do keep some stuff in cold storage, but, you know, meat products usually aren't one of them. Maybe a beverage or two in the back corner, but not Angus beef. Okay, so um, I guess the first thing that, that piques my curiosity with me wanting to get my six little boxes of slides in here, how, you know, how does it work? Are you, are you looking for donations? Is there a certain agenda of, of things that you want to collect? Um, what's, what's the process? Sure. Um, so we do accept donations, um, but there is a process. Um, things usually go through our collections and acquisitions committee. Um, so we typically ask people um, for contextual information about the collection as, along with uh, sample images. Um, and then that all goes on to the CNA committee, which then makes a recommendation to the board of directors. Um, and if the directors approve, then it gets into the center for permanent retention. Okay. And, and you know, and this isn't a process to, um, I'm trying to figure the right words here, but it's not to be, uh, to be mean or, or, or not, you know, or, or exclusive, but this is to make sure that you have uh, good works that fit your mission, um, but also have works that technically, uh, you know, are, are, are good uh, materials. Yep. Um, so we are seeking to build a representative archive rather than a comprehensive one. Um, and what that means is we are looking for representations of different genres and styles um, and also different perspectives on railroading. But we can't take everything because there's, there's more than anyone could possibly preserve. You, you'd need... Football stadium. Right. Yeah, right. We, we go over to Camp Randall and put your archives there. Right. And if we had the funding, I'd love to do it. Um, <laughs> we'd love to take everything, but the reality is we just can't. Sure. Um, Scott had mentioned this in, in our conversation. You're saying it again, but this this representative idea. Um, I know the collection covers not only U.S., but is is global. Yeah. Are there are there areas right now that you're specifically looking for, or is this a uh, an evaluation based on the story that a given group of, of images tells? 
Sure. Um, I mean, we do have a lot of different railroads and geographic locations represented in the collection. Um, I think from my perspective, you know, what we might need more of is kind of a diversity of identities of creators represented in the archive. Um, you know, such as there's there's not a ton of works by people of color, there's not a ton of works uh, created by women or by young people, um, or even, you know, more railroad workers would be great too. So all of that, I think, would be gaps we'd be looking to fill. I love this girl. This is, you know, listen, if you are a young photographer and you are shooting good images, you got to talk to her. You got to talk to her. That, you know, and and you, you bring up a very good point is that, I mean, let's, let's face it. Our hobby is, it's getting a little older. Okay. Time's not going to stop for any of us. And that next generation coming up is the one that's going to capture railroading down the road. And, you know, for you guys to save that, that's, that's a phenomenal thing to look at. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's um, what we love doing here. So (laughs) cool. Um, So we get, we get the images in. Okay. You've accepted my six little boxes of slides. Hey, cool. Thank you. Um, What, what happens next? Um, well, after that, depending on if we have the available personnel and resources, we're going to process the collection. Um, so what that means is cataloging, rehousing, and archival materials, and also digitizing selections and getting them up online. Okay. Hold up your hands for me for a moment. When, when, when Andrea says here, archival um, proper materials, were, part of that is you know she's wearing latex gloves so that like my greasy french fry fingers here don't get on to the materials. Um, you're putting them in uh, some acid-free containers, possibly some plastic materials as well? Yep. Um, all materials are acid-free, lignin-free, um, either paper-based or a stable plastic. Um, we also look for stuff that passes the photographic activity test. Okay. Photographic activity test. Explain yeah. that one to me. So it's a test that's conducted by the Image Permanence Institute, um, and it tests various container materials with um, different types of photo processes for chemical reactivity and stuff like that. Um, So if you want something truly archival, you should look for something that says PAT approved on it. Let me go a step further with that. Okay, so I've got... My six little boxes of Kodak slides just blossomed. I now have 600 boxes of them. Can I contact you and say, how should I be taking care of these? What, give me some advice as to, you know, how should I be storing them? Yeah, we definitely give free advice. Like, we don't charge. Um, I also do a column in our quarterly magazine called Out of the Archives, which has a lot of practical advice in it. Um, and you can find it on our website. So... Yeah. All right, stick around. We're going to look at that magazine in, in a little bit here. Um, so we've got the, the images. They've been accepted. You brought them in. You've processed them. Um, how do they, how, what's kind of the baseline? How do they become available to folks after that if I want to do some research? Sure. Um, so we do offer in-person assistance, um, which is pretty rare. Uh, people usually don't come here. We also have an archivist dedicated to research requests, um, and she can fulfill image requests or answer research queries. Um, we license photos. If you want to use it commercially, you'll have to pay a little. <laughs> if you want to use it for nonprofit or personal, though, we do that for free. You know what? Let me tell you, 
Trains Magazine, we have worked and gotten images from the center here. Great folks to work with, fantastic. I like that if you want it for personal use. I, I wanna I wanna pick out a nice, you know, Gil Reed for over my living room couch. You know <laughs> well, I mean that Gil Reed, I don't know if we have copyright to, but certainly there's lots of other stuff in the collection you could use. So And and these guys will be able to help you out with all that kind of technical stuff. All right. You're the archivist. Every archivist I know is the keeper of the good stuff. Yeah. Get some good stuff you can show us. Yeah, totally. All right, I think we got. I think you got your cart up around the corner here. Let's go. Uh, sure. Let's go take a look here, and see. Uh, I see photo boxes. This yeah. is. Uh, this is. This should be good stuff. Why don't you come on over to that sure. side? Okay. So what do we have? This is from our Richard Steinheimer collection. Um, I have prints here, um, and I can just start taking them out as we're. All going. right. Um, but here we're looking at um, some of his photos that appeared uh, in Backwoods Railroads of the West. Um, these are of the West Side Lumber Company, um, taken between 58 and 1960. Um, I think what's really notice notable about these prints is um, you can tell their originals by this little mark over here. That's from um, a flaw in his enlarger. Um, and okay, hang on, hang on. Yeah. these, these are prints actually made by Steinheimer in his darkroom. Yep. Yep. And, and you're identifying that by just this little tick in the corner here. Yep. Yep. Um, when we went to get the collection, uh, Shirley Steinheimer, uh, was the first one to point this out. Um, and it's been really helpful. Um, but it basically means that he made it in his Sacramento dark room. Um, probably sometime in the 80s. This, this, folks, this is what is so neat about these things is when you you look at them and you get the, the professional assistance and you learn those little backstories that make everything just uh, completely fall into place. So what other goodies do we have in the box here? Sure. Um, well, another thing that's pretty cool um, about these prints is that a lot of them have his original captions. Um, and I'm just trying to find an example here. Um, but yeah, he would frequently type these out um, and then make several annotations. Um, and some are probably his and some are probably uh, Shirley's. Um, they were partners both in life and photography. So it was kind of a joint effort. Um, yeah. Okay, now I'm noticing this is, there's some typewriting, there's yeah. some, did he actually put the print in the typewriter? I think so. I think so. That's that's the only thing I can figure out, as far as I can tell. But there's there's a lot of typewriter like captions on these prints. This this is so neat because we're looking at something that we can positively put a date on, mm -hmm. but we're also looking at the artist's, the photographer's thoughts, his own work conveying not only what we want to see, but what he wants us to focus on. Yeah, yeah. I think um, kind of how he would narratively frame a lot of these. Um, he makes a lot of allusions to fairy tales and myths, which I think is pretty cool. Um, he was really quite imaginative. Um, but yeah, it's it's been really fun to work with this collection and see like kind of firsthand what he thought of his own work. So... Neat, yeah. neat. That that's what I. That to me is what really uh, makes pieces like this and coming to some place like this very special, sure. because you're you know we're seeing we're seeing it through the artist's eyes as you have received the information and are keeping it and dispensing it. Just 
incredible. Steinheimer did uh, some Milwaukee Road photography. Yeah. In fact, there was some pretty uh, famous shots of his along their sure. electrified lines. Yeah. Might have... might those be in the next box? Yeah. Oh, um, yes. So Steinheimer fans will recognize these from Electric Way Across the Mountains. Um, and I love these prints particularly because they're just huge and gorgeous. Um, he was a master printer. Um, so we have shots of workers. Um, I think this actually would have been in Alberton, Montana, um, which was part of, uh, the Western electrified lines. Hang on. Yeah. Hang on for just a moment. Yeah. We got it. We got to There's one thing that I think really needs to be mentioned right now. You know, today, so much of photography is digital. Yeah. Okay. And we, we snap a, a digital image and we don't like it and we throw it out. Steinheimer and, and so many of the other folks that we've mentioned so far today were working with film. Yep. They had to develop the film, then put the film in a printer in the dark room, and we're talking manipulating light and chemical process and paper oh, yeah. to come up with this. Yep. This this wasn't this wasn't a this wasn't a, a 10 second, 30 second process. Right. This to get a print right, well, it so could take Hours. Yeah, and so many test prints um, and so many different types of exposures. Um, you know, I think by this point, um, I think these were made in the 70s and he had been working in photography for 20, 30 years, so he was probably quite good at his craft. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot, there's a lot more to it than digital photography today. I, I remember spending, I remember spending arduous hours in the dark room in college. Yeah, this and this. When you look at this, yeah, I mean, the, you know, the contrast and the 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 depth that you're seeing in these, just phenomenal. Yeah. So, all right, do you got the famous picture? Sure. <laughs> yes. And by that, you know, we're on the Milwaukee roads electrified lines yeah. out in the west. Yeah, we're in the snow. We've got some box cabs, but. Uh, yeah. Um, yep, and this would have been Avery, Ohio, uh, I'm sorry, Idaho, uh, 1972, and then I think we're coming up on the famous St. Paul Pass photos, um, and I know what you're really wanting to see is probably <laughs> this one, um, and what I really appreciate about this is that to capture the shot, he's sitting on, um, I think the nose of the trailing diesel locomotive, um, and it's freezing out, um, he's going through tunnels, he's getting sparks. Um, it's just, it's, it, you know, you, you can read about it in his book and it's, it just sounds like a really insane once in a lifetime experience. Um, and I'm so surprised he captured it on film. I'm just, I, I'm beside the image and everything you're saying, I'm sitting here going, you know what? seen this image in, in books and magazines and I'm I'm standing here in an archive and here is an original large size print that the photographer himself produced right. and and it, the image the image for me is taking on just a whole different dimension Okay, so it makes me envious. You get to work with this stuff every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, well, especially Steinheimer. Um, is, I kind of pinch myself every time because I know how important he is to the community. Um, and just he was an amazing photographer in his own right, you know, regardless of the genre. So, 
yeah, it, it feels pretty special. <laughs> cool, cool. All right, so process to get things into the collection here and my slides, eh, they got some hope, maybe or not. But I think the other thing you probably should talk about is once you have things in and, and cataloged and whatnot, exhibiting. And oh, yeah. I yeah, and I think for that we need to get one of your associates to chat with me for a moment. Yeah, that's not really my area. <laughs> you keep archiving, sure. all right? All right. So we found out that the center is cruising toward a million images. We found out that there's hope to get my six little boxes of slides into the collection. No, probably every, everyone in the room right now is shaking their head going, Bob, give it up, give it up. But once everything is cataloged and in place, the center just doesn't want to hold on to those images and, and keep them for themselves. They want to be able to use them and have folks enjoy them to, to help fulfill their mission. To explain that, Haley is takes care of programs, events, and fun things like that. And and let me let me see if we can, we can lead you somewhere here. But we're standing right by a picture from the Milwaukee Road Beer Line, uh, very famous photographer one of your traveling exhibits, correct? Yeah, so this is from our uh, one of our smaller traveling ex exhibitions. We put it together more locally, which is a little different from some of our other ones, which travel nationally in scope. The photographer, this Wallace Abbey, was an associate editor for Trains Magazine, and we put this small exhibition initially together for the East Troy Railroad Museum down in East Troy, Wisconsin. They were running an Oktoberfest train. Um, and we knew that in our Wallace Abbey collection, we had this small selection of these really great images from the beer line, which was a small industrial branch line off of the Milwaukee Road that serviced the Schlitz, Pabst, and Blatzt um, breweries. And there was a line that ran directly into the Schlitz yard, which is what you're, you're seeing right here. So we decided after that initial staging to keep traveling it around to more untraditional venues. And that I mean breweries, which is, uh, you know, really uh, leans into the source material and the, and the subject of the, of the images. So we, it was just most recently at Pilot Project in Milwaukee, um, which is actually owned by one of our ex, uh, or one of our older uh, archivists. Uh, he was in the position before Adrian Jordan Radke, so he allowed us to have it up there, and we just had an event along with that as well. So it's, it's a great show. It, it reaches out on a more broad thematic um, subject and something that we in Wisconsin here are really interested in, beer. <laughs> you know, I, I, I love that because, um, you know, I know our sister publication, Model Railroader, had done a series on uh, a train layout, HO scale, of the beer line, and, of course, the photographs. And you think about, you know, you think about Milwaukee, you know, Sud City, Brewtown. It, it is so um, iconic. And to take neat imagery like this of something that everyone recognizes it and then present it in what might not be, uh, well, let's just say it might be an avant-garde uh, kind of a venue, it, it brings folks into contact with subject matter um, that they might not be used to or might not be expecting, but yet, wait a minute, hold on, we're looking at art and photography, oh, and it's about railroads too, and we're, we're tying it in with beer, that, that's, that's got to be something very special. Yeah, and especially with, with Wallace Abbey, I mean, he his background is in photojournalism, and when you look at the pictures that he took, it's not just taking a picture of a, a train or, you know, a long track, something along trackside. He, he really captured a story in each of his images, um, and that really comes through with this exhibition as well as one of our other ones, Wallace Abbey um, 
a life in real photography, which is obviously also has Wallace heavy photography. Um, but but yeah, there there are our opportunity to take the collections that we have and tell more human stories and connect not just to our our core, our rail fan um, community, but bring it out to the public and, and tell the real stories of America beyond that. Incredible, and I know that kind of went went right with what Scott has said about the mission that 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 uh, total kind of look at trains and and railroads and how they they all intersect with us as as human beings and a very neat way to to bring that about. But uh, in a few weeks, um, I'm going to be coming to conversations which I know is one of your other big programs, but okay, besides conversations, tell us a little bit about that, but then how else are you using the collections programmatically? Uh, programmatically, so I, first of all, I'll say conversations, yeah, it's our kind of our the height of our programming schedule of the year. We have it usually every April, definitely every spring down in Lake Forest and at Lake Forest College. Um, it's our opportunity to to gather with our members and people from the rail fan community to really share stories and histories and in art. Um, and beyond that, we've also started a monthly online programming series that began in April, 2020 when everything shut down and we weren't able to have conversations. We pivoted very quickly to get it online. <laughs> I think we got it up in five weeks, which was a big push, but it was a big success and it encouraged us to continue doing programming online and now we do it every month. Um, and we showcase photographers and artists from not just around the nation, but around the world because we're able to host people from, you know, Europe and, and Asia and South America or, you know, anywhere because you can do it all electronically. Um, so we're able to showcase a lot of people's work that way. And then we also um, have a, a few member-only programs um, through that online series as well. And for those ones, we really focus in on our own collections. Okay, member only. I'm sensing something exclusive here. I gotta be, I gotta be a member to get in on these things. Yeah, we are a member-supported organization. 70% of our funding comes from our membership. So everything that we do is really driven by the members and the support that they show us. And we decided to start doing these member-only programs to really show our thanks to the members who've supported us so far. Okay, I want to become a member. Mm -hmm. Go to your website. Yes. Realphoto-art.org slash support. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You said that so so wonderfully. Just rolled off you. What was it again? Realphoto-art.org slash support. Okay. All that part, the only part I was cut was support, so I can get there. I'm going to have to sign up for this. That was good. All right. Um, hey, you know what? Toward the end of our, our program here, we always duck over to something called Mr. Bob's Railroad Bookshelf. Um, let's, let's, let's go. I always got a few books and like to encourage folks to read things. And um, I know here you folks have a number of your own uh, publications, and I think one of those is After Promontory. Yeah, After Promontory was a project we did back in 2019 for the sesquicentennial of the Transcontinental Railroad. Um, it was obviously a big moment in our nation's history celebrating those 150 years of, of railroading um, in America, but we decided to kind of have a more unique perspective on it as opposed to just a, a celebration of that year. So After Promontory implies the the story of trans transcontinental railroading, the 
um, the stories and the lines that all built after that initial um, th that initial meeting between Union Pacific and Central Pacific. So we looked we look at all of the transcontinental lines that uh, that kind of started popping up after that, and we use some images from our own collection as well as um, some from our membership and photographers from around the country and in other uh, historical societies and. So it's a, it's a really comprehensive story and, and, and one that we're, we were excited to share. So you know what I, I really like about this book is that uh, the photography, you, you kind of expect, okay, Transcontinental Railroad, we should be getting photographs from, you know, 100, 150 years ago. But you have woven in photos literally from over the time span of the Transcontinental Railroad, and it, and it tells such a neat, complete story. So after Promontory, um, listen, this book, still available. Get it on the center's website. They've got a neat little tab, books, or kambachhobbystore.com. One of the two places, okay? Vis seriously, visit one. you gotta, you got to get this book. Um, we talked earlier about uh, the work of uh, Richard Steinheimer, and we saw some of those really neat photos, uh, the really cool ones. Um, this is a compilation of some of his works. Um, not a book from the center here, but yet, folks, it's a good one on the bookshelf. It's, it's one of those photography books that you kind of you curl up with at night and just look at those photos and go, oh, isn't that just, just incredible? This one, um, you know, check a, check a good bookstore for it. Um, you can probably find it on, online as well, but uh, Steinheimer's works. Definitely a good one to have in your collection. Hey, we got to talk about Railroad Heritage publication of the center. This is your magazine, and some pretty cool stuff comes out in here. Yeah, uh, Railroad Heritage is our ad-free quarterly journal. Um, it is one of our benefits of membership, um, but anyone can buy a back issue on the on our website under that same publications tab. Um, so it comes out four times a year, has no ads in it, uh, and it has some great articles. Of, I mean, this is a picture from our awards program, which is another program that we do here at the center, the John E. Gruber Creative Photography Awards Program. Um, it's a contest, a photography contest we have every year that has a different theme. This year is, is the role of technology. Um, and you can submit now, the website. The submission <laughs> is open until May 1st. Um, oh, oh for, for you. You know, this we talked all along about telling a story with, with these images. And you, you look at this one and you see the, the Jordan spreader and pushing the snow off the bridge. And you can just... I mean, you can see the story. You can just, you can just see it. You know, and this is one of those things where the color, being a color photograph, kind of really enhances things. Just the, the shadows and the, the, the translucency of the snow there. Man, this is, I think this is what you guys are all about, these yeah. neat images with stories. Okay, we are going for what part of the magazine now? So, well, so this is our, our center spread. It's our awards program. But, I mean, there's, we have a lot of articles in here. We have usually, I'd say, two to three larger articles per issue, but we also have a lot of other features. We talk about all the programs. We do, obviously, um, between our events and conferences and collections and, and the awards, which we just talked about. This is an article on uh, the Steinheimer collection, which we had just gotten when this issue came out. This was our summer of 2022 issue. Um, so we're talking about the legacy of Richard Steinheimer here. Um, we also have articles that, you know, that feature other uh, institutions' work. This is a great Art, um, uh, exhibition that was put together on paintings done for the Great Northern Railroad by um, First Nation artists, um, or a, a 
painter, I should say, who who really featured First Nader nations people um and it's it's really great and i really encourage you in particular to read through this article um but yeah it's 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 obviously it's a, a wonderful publication and a great quality that we we come out um and i'd encourage anyone to to check it out <laughs> and this and this is another one of those you got to be a member thing right you don't have to be a member but it is a benefit of membership um with 50 dollar donation years how is uh, the membership that we have, though, of course, we accept gifts over that if you're feeling in the mood. Um, so along with that donation, you get the four issues of Railroad Heritage. But again, you can buy back copies of the issue as they're available on our website. Sometimes they do sell out when they're a popular copy. Okay. And where again on the website do I go to become a member? <laughs> Railphoto-art.org slash support. All right. All right. So some good things on the bookshelf. Hey, Seriously, consider becoming a member of the Center for Railroad Photography and Art. As you can see, they're doing some, some amazing things, a great publication, some great books. KambachHobbyStore.com. KambachHobbyStore.com. you got to visit there as well. Um, Haley, thank you so much. Scott, Scott, come on in here. Right. Scott Lotus, the executive director. Man, you guys, this is, I'm in a candy store right now. You might, I... Can I get we're, we're not to check your pockets when you leave, I think. <laughs> I, I was just saying, can I, can I get an air mattress and sit in the background, have my own little slideshow tonight? <laughs> no, you'll have to ask Adrian about that. <laughs> I think that would be against a few curatorial rules. Man, you know, this, I have heard and so many things about you folks, and I've gotten to work with you, and I've seen the exhibits, and, um, you know, now to see the ideas and how they come together, um, man, this is, this is a real deal. This is just exceptional, and I hope folks realize what you're doing, and I hope they take advantage of it and, and look at what you're doing. And, you know, man, hopefully my six little boxes of slides and probably thousands of others make it in here. That would be great. There's hope for them yet. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I mean, we are blessed to have such a fantastic community of supporters, community of image makers. Uh, we say a lot that we just, we, we feel that we have this just abundance of riches in the incredible imagery that we have and then the wonderful people that we have here at the center and in our board and our membership that make all of this possible. Uh, it's, uh, it's, we go from strength to strength and it's a pleasure to do all of it. Fantastic. We will look for more imagery down the road. Hey folks, um, that is gonna do it now for, hold on here, gonna get my mic stand in hand here. That's going to do it for Trains Live for this episode. Listen, trains.com, plenty of new content there. Want to, want to see you stopping by trains.com. And, of course, very soon, I really want to see you behind an issue of Trains Magazine. you like what you hear? Listen, check out this episode in video with a trains.com unlimited membership. Click the link in the episode notes and watch it today. Oh, wait a minute, not a member? Try our 30-day free trial of trains.com, the ultimate online portal for anyone who loves trains of any size from any era. Trains.com, it's your home for the most comprehensive routing news and curated video series, articles, photos, and so much more, all about trains.